Go Loud presents Around the World in 80 Gays. Welcome to Around the World in 80 Gays, a podcast hosted by me, Catherine Lynch. And me, Brian Kennedy. Now, each week we talk about gay culture, gay inspirations and gay icons. And I do a shot every time Brian mentions a celebrity he's met. <laughs> Prepare to get tipsy, Catherine Lynch. This is Around, Around the, the World, world in, in 80, 80 Gays. <laughs> Around the world. Icons, anthems coming out Pronouns, drag queens, struggles, life and love Around the world Around the world In 80 gays In 80 gays Around the world Around the world In 80 gays In 80 gays Woo! <laughs> Camp now this week, journalist Cheska Common is our special guest. Cheska is <laughs> is currently the legal editor for online publication The Currency. She has also worked for the Sunday Business Post as well as News Talk, where she worked as courts correspondent for over eight years. And in 2021, she won the Justice Media Award for Court Reporting. It's great to have you here. Absolutely, I'm used to um, meeting you on the scene. <laughs> Are you? Well, that's what I was going to ask you, Catherine Lynch. How do you two know each other? Well, it's been a while probably, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been yeah. a while since... Well, we haven't seen each other since before the pandemic. We did run in in odd circumstances, which I may not go into during the Oh, please the do. Oh, yeah. Oh, now we really want to know. Oh, I, I can't even remember. What was that? That was in a sort of private medical capacity. I oh, think. yes, a private medical <laughs> I capacity. I thought you were going to reveal some affair that you'd had, <laughs> oh, sorry. Catherine, no. and then you decided to go back. But we are very good friends. Our mutual friend is the wonderful Gar Cox. Uh-huh. And he is... A queer folk singer, as he calls himself, and um, we love him dearly, don't we? Yeah, with kind of mild political leanings back in the day, but yeah, yeah he's been he's been trotting them out since the nineties, right? So he um, sure has. And brilliantly, I mean, you probably know Garcock. I well, certainly right? do, and yeah. I love that now our nineties is like the nineteen sixties, isn't it? We talk about it in in that kind of way, but yes, Gar is, as you say, one of those people that you you know. I love that he calls himself a queer folk singer. There's not many around. No, you know, even though you've a new folk album out. <laughs> Enough about me. It's all about Cheska today. Yeah, yeah but uh, you can get Gar on Spotify. Yes, exactly. Actually, Gar did ask me, and I meant to ask you, and it's a very lesbian question. Did you find your cat? No, the cat Aww. is gone. I think the cat is gone forever, and I oh, want no. to kind of think that the cat now, is, is gone Now, is this a forever. euphemism for something, or it's an no, actual it's cat? No, it's not. It's no, an actual it lovely it cat. Twitter. It was a, like a 17 year old cat, Ivan. And he just sort of disappeared. He had terminal cancer, so it was a matter of weeks. Aww. But I kind of really don't want to hear. It's over a week now, so it would be like a kind of fright from the, the grave if someone said that they found him now to kind of think. But you know, cats are amazing yeah. creatures. That My auntie had a 21-year-old cat. What they do is they, they, you know, historically, when they know it's close to the end, they take themselves off and, so. and just do it peacefully. No, honestly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's what my auntie would say about that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They walk off, they go off to die. But anyway, oh, Ivan. he had a great life and I would have just... Of course he had a great life. He lived with a lesbian. Of days. Did you yeah. call him after Ivan Yates? Shh, that's my secret. (laughs) So, Cheska, we actually, um, this podcast is really about celebrating being a a gay person and also just um, finding out what your icons are, your anthems. So when you were a young girl, what was your anthem? Yeah, I suppose I would have been, I was very straight because, you know, I grew up in a teenager in the late 80s, early 90s. 
Um, so in Dorky in South County in Dublin. In Dorky, and I was kind of a grungy kid. So my idol would have been Kim Deal from the Pixies. Yeah. Because, I mean, one was inspiring because I loved the band when I was a teenager. And I liked icon. that kind That's of era icon. as well because like, you had her and Kim Gordon and they were kind yeah. of cool. But I kind of veered towards Kim Deal because she would just turn up in a pair of jeans and look really normal. And that really appealed to me because... She wasn't, as she would sort of say herself, oh, you know, I always thought in a band you had to wear spandex or something if you're yeah. a girl or look yeah. really glam. But she didn't. She just sort of slunked on stage mm. in a sloppy t-shirt. In her boyfriend's jeans kind of look. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and had a big grin on her face and was her really girlfriend. exuberant and good fun and vibrant when she was interviewed. And I just kind of, yeah, really, I thought she was really hot as well. But I also kind of wanted <laughs> to be helps, there. I was sort it? of torn yeah, between the help. two. Yeah. yeah, the 80s was great, though, for that kind of non-binary look, wasn't it? For male and female. Yeah, yeah. We always uh, actually tap into the 80s on this show. It was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of fun around. These days, everything's so bloody serious. Yeah. You know, you just kind of think, well, people were having such fun in those days. We were just old, because I kind of thought this too. I look around Dublin and go, God, there's not much going on in Dublin. And this is yeah. kind of besides the pandemic. Mm. Yeah. And then I was talking to a friend just last week who's in her early 30s, going to all, I mean, it was like being transported back 15 years, yeah. all the same sort of parties, all the same sort of rows at parties, yeah. melts being melts, wannabes, and you just go, oh no, it's still yeah. all going yeah. on. I'm just at a distance from it. Th- that's correct. I mean, Catherine often gives out about Dublin in terms of culturally saying, oh God, Dublin's dying. And I'm thinking, well, it, I think it is dying in a certain way for, for us, for our generation. But there's a new generation coming up that are, as you say, are, are I mean, the amount of 80s haircuts around true, Dublin is extraordinary. And, and and these days, the wonderful mix is now there's the whole non-binary thing. There are people who don't really don't have, identify as anything. And now we have girls and girls holding hands, boys and boys holding hands in, you know, barefaced in the street having a great time that's certainly nothing I ever saw unless I was no. in San Francisco you know so yeah they've, they've rubbish clubs that's the only thing yeah. um, I don't know you're talking about more serious and I yeah. absolutely agree with what you're saying mm. and I think so many things are good for them but I look around and I think they have rubbish clubs like I mean they just don't have the nightlife and they really need mm. to get on that I know the government promised to do it but they need to extend the hours till four or five because yes, yeah. the minute they change the pub hours till what half twelve or something the clubs just disappeared because nobody's going to leave a pub at one and go and pay in yeah. for an hour no. in a nightclub. Like, that just sort of and dies. nobody's going to go home. Yeah. You're not going to go home and go to bed. James Kavanagh has a great club called The Church and then there's a great club called Mother. Oh. But Mother is nearly becoming our age group at this stage. Yeah, yeah it's, you know, it's long in the tooth. And, it's long in the tooth. And that's great for it and everything like that. Yeah. But they need the space and obviously now we've got a housing crisis so everything is even yeah. worse again but yeah, yeah they need, definitely need the space to yeah but every, as you fun. know every generation as Paul Simon would say knows a hero of the pop charts but also every generation goes through this we're, we are not I mean I know you were saying if you don't mind me saying you're middle 40s mm. I'm middle 50s Catherine who knows is of no mortal is. age who knows how old she is she's been around forever um, <laughs> yeah. but you know this is, I don't say my age out loud in case, my face, my like, in, in case your face might hear it in case your face might hear it is that why you're wearing glasses yeah <laughs> how dare you my eyesight is 2020. You're such a cow. You're buying lunch now. You're being a bitch. Okay. Why not? Exactly. Do you have, Cheska, um, a, a very particular coming out story? Like, did you suddenly decide, okay, I need to let people know I love the ladies? I think mine was more like, it's what they say about bankruptcy or something, isn't it? Or insolvency that or it happens very slowly and then very quickly. So I think mine was really dribs and drabs yeah. of telling a few kind of close people. I'm quite late like 20 I think so not really young no uh, not really old I mean you meet people now and I'm sometimes kind of shocked and they tell you they came out at 38 or something right. oh wow good for wow. you but you know it's yeah. kind of wow. like it's like wow okay yeah. but were they a nun or something before 
I think a lot of people had heterosexual relationships yes. and they kind of yes. found themselves and in... families what, and so on. Yeah. Exactly. And it felt like a good relationship and it just took them a long time. I mean, 38, I've just picked out of the ether. I, but yeah, you know what I mean? They've I had a whole life before it kind of, it dawns on them. So I wasn't at that stage, but I wasn't mm. kind of like out of the traps really fast either. And I kind of remember telling college friends, because that's obviously what you do. That's what I was doing at the time. You tell the people supportive. you fancy, just in case they fancy you. Yeah, I actually remember telling a friend because I fancied someone who I did yeah. end up dating. She was my first girlfriend. But mm -hmm. I remember kind of, <laughs> and your friends were kind of supportive, but a lot of them were, they were so embedded in straight life and they had yeah. no idea, as did I, what gay life was. So yeah. they were just kind of there to kind of say, well, that's okay, we accept you. And you kind of go, okay, that doesn't really help. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, no. <laughs> Thanks very much. And um, to your parents, how was it? But that was later then yeah. when I had a kind of a more serious girlfriend. And actually, I didn't come out to them. My now brother-in-law just said, but sure, she's gay. She's a lesbian. And my dad knew anyway, because he'd just guessed. Mm. But my mum didn't. So then I had to kind of talk to them about it. How so, was yeah. that? Oh, it was grand. They didn't really mind. And my mum was upset because I hadn't told her. So oh. she yeah. was upset. By, that was more the issue. Yeah, That was more the issue. But they weren't... No, they actually were always very supportive and they didn't like one of my partners, but they liked the next one a lot. Yeah. So they, they loved Caroline. Yes. <laughs> so that was kind of good. Did you yeah. grow up with gay people? Were there gay people around? They would have had, they were, I think, came from a kind of conservative liberal background, yeah. sort of South Dublin. So they were kind of, they Which were Which defines religious. the whole of South Dublin. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? And economically quite conservative, but they yeah. would have had a couple of gay friends, not loads, but it would have been kind of like, they would have gone to a lot of parties and their friends weren't always that well behaved. So they kind of all stayed in marriages <laughs> unless there was drink or something, you know, yeah. that kind of way. But yeah. they, there were a lot of affairs and things as well. There yeah. was that kind of, they went out a lot. I know straights, you know what, what I mean? are they like? I know. Yeah. Goodness We've, sake. You kind of stuck together for the kids, but it didn't stop you kind of. Yeah. Sure, everyone messing. should take the Will Smith road. <laughs> Here's the thing, Cheska. I wonder, I, when I was growing up in Belfast, I knew I had to get out of there pretty quickly. Mm. I couldn't, it wasn't an option to stay around. Was that ever in your mind? Did you ever think, you know what, I have to get out of South County Dublin to really find out who I am? Did that happen? I think I felt it was going to happen. And I yeah. remember kind of, I was at a loss because I didn't really know what I wanted to do in mm. life as well, which is kind of a bad enough in your early 20s. And it's sort of everybody else seems to know and they're very driven. And I was kind of, oh, no. So I remember kind of going off to Barcelona for potentially a year, but I think I cut it short. You went to Barcelona. You're not fucking around. You went <laughs> straight to the epicentre. <laughs> yeah, it was good. And, and then I met someone there, but it never kind of really happened. I don't know why. I think I was quite shy as well. Yeah. So, I didn't probably appear to be shy, but I sort of lacked confidence when it came to being it on the gay scene as well, because it's kind of a culture shock, if you yes. know what I mean. So it's kind of easy. You can meet people and date them, but not really be immersed in gay culture, mm. if you know what I mean. And um, can you remember the first time you went into a gay club and the feeling? That's a good question. When was it? Yeah, you know what, though, in the 90s, there was a softening because there were kind of nights like Powder Bubble, which was of a course. sort they were crossover. You could go, they were great fun and full of drag queens. But the energy, while it was really super yeah. gay, it sort of, however it was pitched, a lot of straight people went as well. So I kind of had a foot in the door. Yeah. But then... Maybe I took it back out again or something. Oh, also, do you remember Powder gay... Bubble? My she God. was on the scene before me. Yeah. But then, of course, there's that age disparity. But also you were kind of... There was... <laughs> there was also a lot Two of it years. was really very male dominated as well. So most of the gay nights you were going to at that time, they yeah. were really very 
Gaymail nights, if you know. Yeah, they, they were. weren't really catering. And that's what I wanted to ask you, yeah. because you know, historically, I when I talk to my gay friends and even my gay experience of going into say front lounge or somewhere, there seems to be that real the gay men are at this section and the gay women are at, at, at that section, and they don't really it's like mix the nineteen fifties. Sometimes when we go to the front lounge, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, is that was that your experience? Yeah, I mean, there was crossover, but you'd be on nights. I mean, the front lounge again was quite mixed, so you, yeah. it wasn't very. You know, it was quite trendy, but yeah. it was mixed. Um, and, I, you know, I felt happy there. But a lot of the more nightclub nights, yeah. they were really more, it was 90 to 95% men. And you'd have this kind of marginal female presence. And it, it wasn't always that welcoming, the female presence either. I do remember yeah. going to some early yeah. women's nights and they were kind of quite tough ladies, a bit older. And it felt to me, you don't yeah. really see it now, that they'd sort of taken upon them these quite hard male stereotypes yeah. that they were now trying to embody and like I didn't really relate to that and, they, and of course was, they kind had of it harder didn't they they had it much harder yeah. and you know I think that was an initial impression obviously you then get to know people and you see a more rounded picture but you know some of those early nights weren't the most welcome. I remember yeah hearing... they weren't actually I know what I mean and the, yeah. like sometimes there was a lot of the caste system was really went yeah, on parents, in the yeah. yeah in the gay scene, and a lot of my gay friends would go, "Oh my God, she's too butch, or she's too this, or she's too yeah. that." Like there was a lot of uh, discrimination within mm. the scene itself, wasn't there? Yeah, I would often pass because I kind of look straight, so you'd often no, get you're quite straight, gorgeous, women there. cute, and glamorous. But I definitely at the odd time I would have had gay men kind of go, "Oh, a lot of lesbians here tonight," and I've got. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that look. funny? Thankfully, yeah. says you. <laughs> that doesn't. Ha- I have to say that doesn't really happen anymore, as far right. as I can see. I think that's gone, and I'm sure there are probably gay men who might have engaged in that in the past who are probably embarrassed looking back at it now. If you know what I mean, kind of go, oh, okay, that's a bit cringe yeah. on them. Um, well, even I, I, I used younger, to come out on yeah. my uh, show in Gubu and say, um, oh my God, loads of lesbians in tonight. They all look alike. Uh, I mean, look alike. That's, that's kind of funny. <laughs> that's that's funny. still funny, Catherine, for goodness sake. But would I be able to get away with it now? No. <laughs> well, I'm not sure we care, really. And then, I, you know, I played a, a lesbian character who was uh, from Leitrim, closeted called Liz Hurley. You know, I really was pushing the boundaries there, wasn't I? Thank God. But to be honest, that was part of um, th- that kind of comedy of the time. It was inclusive in a different yeah. way. I was representing Cusp Society women. So yeah. a lesbian was Cusp Society, as was my traveller character. Yeah. But uh, you move with society, don't what you? Did you say it was Prada for Dykes? I can't remember. Prada for Dykes what, oh. what brand did you, had you singled oh, out oh yeah oh it was I don't know what I remember that now what was it what I'll was it I don't know that. that we'll come back to that uh, some sports brand what, I think. it was yeah oh, I think brilliant. it was O'Neill's was brand for Dykes <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, I am so sorry, listeners. That was in the past. Don't cancel See, me. I, I knew it was a good idea to make this podcast. That's a new one on me. But we have had some fun, actually. Like, I hope, I think what you're saying is that you hope that those clubs will arise and have that solidarity is what you need in a gay scene. And maybe because everything is so inclusive now that the solidarity is missing. Um, and in a way, they have mm. to recreate what solidarity means, you know. In that yeah, kind of I mean, this is not just a Dublin issue, is yeah. it? I mean, you're, I, I read in quite a few places just a closing down of gay bars in a lot of cities or lesbian yeah. bars in a lot of cities. Yeah. So it, it seems to be a shift. 
And you're right, I presume it is partly because there's greater inclusivity and there may not seem like there's the same need for it. Yeah. But there's always a need for fun and a little bit of extravagance and... It's a dichotomy, and a little bit of underground. Yeah. yeah, and where people kind of... Yeah, also where are they finding the grit? Where are they finding the kind of you know the identity? Where is anybody finding the grit? You know, it's a real dichotomy because on one hand you're saying, look, you know, accept us, embrace us. And then be careful what you wish for, because suddenly you are accepted and everything. And then suddenly and then you just, vanish into yeah. another scene and you're not you're not as visible, you know. So I, I, I think we're kind of stuck in a in a in a weird place where on one hand, of course, we now have the trans community who are the ones really standing out and, and that kind of thing. So I think it's a it's just a, a really it's about how we've evolved as a culture. A, a friend of mine said last year, God, well, why do they need pride events anymore? And you just think, well, Yikes. don't be ridiculous. You don't know, be people, ridiculous, yeah. Like gay people are still being murdered in the world, for goodness sake. Certainly we now, it's gone from being a sort of a protest to a pride march, as in here we are, we're loud and we're proud, all of that. Um, but I mean, to think that we don't need a pride march anymore is a ridiculous yeah. notion. Yeah. But it's a different animal now altogether. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. commercial now. Well, which name me one major brand that doesn't want to be involved. Exactly. You and I marched with the GAA for the first time a couple well, of years hey. ago. Yeah, <laughs> It slightly defeats the purpose, though, if all the brands want to march of course, and the people yeah. don't, <laughs> if they get turned off, if the people who yeah. it's for kind of get turned off. So there Like, is I used to have my own float. In your mind, you did, Catherine. I did. Tampi Lalette, Alternative Miss Ireland. I had my own float from Gubu and all the characters You're the gayest non-gay person I know, I think. But uh, like I was always on the float. Now I stand there, watch it all go by and I go, oh my God, I miss that person who was screaming and roaring down yeah. Connell Street on a float, yeah. hugging Panty, hugging Veda. Hugging Listen, everyone. we got the, you, you got yeah. there though. Now we have marriage equality. We live in an Ireland now where we have a mixed race gay. Isn't well, it wonderful? Well, Taoiseach now tarnished you. Um, you know, I mean, that's the kind of country I want to live in. However... Uh, Cheska, as I'm sure because you were a court reporter, the amount of misogyny, the amount of attacks on women. I mean, I, I hate to get serious about it for a minute, mm. but I think it's important. Yeah, and I, the kind of work you're talking about would have brought me back to when I was working for News Talk. Yeah. Um, predominantly, and I was courts correspondent for them, and I would mm. feed into Today FM and kind of local stations as well. And mm. the what? It's still happening, but I'm out of that loop. But I remember for between about 2006 to 2009, 2010, every year there were these really high profile murder trials. The kind of Joe O'Reilly was the first one with the murder of his wife, Rachel O'Reilly. Oh, yeah. And um, I mean, one, they were high profile often for reasons that may not always be great because they tended to be middle class families. You know, it was that way of pitching it. Oh, they had everything. And then how could that happen? How to could them? that happen to yeah. them? Which I mean, is dubious framing, but at the same time, there was this kind of outpouring that we're still seeing of violence towards women, and that really hasn't changed very no, much. No, it hasn't. Not it has, at all. like with Ashleen Murphy. Ashley Murphy, I mean, it has got worse, you know. On it goes, and, and now they've just found a perpetrator of a lady who was married. Uh, she was murdered last summer, I think. They've a, a teenage boy has just been found guilty of. So, I mean, it's a ridiculous question, but why have we created a culture? that seems to make it all right for young men in particular to think that they can take women's lives. We're, I mean, I'm saying, I'm, I'm throwing the question out to everybody, including myself. Mm. What, how have we made a culture like that? Yeah, I mean, and often a lot of the, the stories I would have covered, they're often, they're nuanced. You know, you, I'm, you can talk about those high profile ones like Joe O'Reilly and the mm. other reason they catch people's attention is that it was clearly a premeditated crime. So mm. that gives us, yeah. you know, it's this build up of um, them looking things up either on the internet in some of these cases sure. or, you know, it's all plotted. Um, whereas in reality, if you're a lot of cases, um, 
everyone's really drunk and something awful happens and it's that uh, I'm not say, yeah. I'm not saying that's yeah. that of course but it's a very different set of circumstances where people sometimes lead very messy lives on the cusp of violence yes and, and therefore they think that's normal this, then that I'm in any way saying oh that that's okay or obviously I'm sure. not um yeah. but it can be the case another thing though I think it has to be borne in mind and it is also very scary is that repeatedly studies have shown that when women try and leave a partner mm-hmm. that is when they're often most vulnerable Wow! so it's so. control in the long yeah, run exactly. it's definitely control and it's like having that power over a woman yeah. and that will never until we have no violence I think you know even Will Smith has proved that it still exists that a man thinks that he can break the fourth wall in society, never mind that yeah. in the theatre and actually, you know, defend a woman. We do not need to be defended. We can defend ourselves. We do not want to be defended by, by uh, you know, mm. crime and violence. We mm. want to be defended by kindness. We want men to be gentlemen. That's exactly what the definition of a real man is. But it is. has to start early. It has to start with little boys and little girls. Yeah. You know, you have to make a little boy understand you cannot behave like that. And I think that that's the missing part of that whole, you know, the whole machine is that mm. clearly there are little boys out there who are being taught that it's fine to behave like that. And it's really not fine. And there's no empathy involved. That's why I think, ladies and gentlemen, loads of kids should be brought up by gay people. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. people give out about kids being brought up by gay people as being a wrong thing. Oh, no, it isn't. No, it's And that's not. proof, you know. Yeah. I think in Ireland we could make even a more simple start and just educate our kids together in, you know, co-ed schools. That's co-ed right. Start, exactly. Yeah. You know. Get rid yeah. of religion. Get rid of uh, author- authoritarian scenarios, yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, don't so, get me started on the Catholic Church. <laughs> no, don't it's get it. It's not a good idea. The Falls Road. So let's let's lighten it up again. <laughs> Do you have a person, a gay icon in your life? Okay, in my life now, not really. Is that awful? No, yeah. that's not no. awful. I had a teenage icon. I'm, I, like I obviously had Kim Deal, and then kind of on a really highbrow one, I loved Simone de Beauvoir. Oh, you fab. know, well, sure. So, but as an adult. I don't. I've loads of people I admire for what they do. Like a gay artist. Is there a gay artist? If I went to your home now Mm -hmm. and I had a rifle through your CD collection or your vinyl, is there an artist that's a gay artist that I would find a lot of copies of? No. no. (laughs) Is that really Okay, we're outside your house right now. Sorry, cancel that. (laughs) uh, No, it's a waste of time. Yeah, drive back here. Bye. No, it's like you have a lot of Katie Lang in your collection. I we have love a lot of her. Katie Lang. Oh, but even things like people, like Dusty Springfield, who people didn't know. I mean, the minute you, I, I don't think there was a lesbian in London who didn't make out to the look of love is in your eyes, you know, <laughs> and all of that. So I wonder, is there a record like that where you just think, you know what, I'm in the mood, she's coming around. I'm just going to put on a bit of Indigo Girls or what is it? Not particularly I'm really sorry but like I mean I that's think I'd have honest. gay anthems like kind of like Shaka Khan but that's oh, not yeah. because of her it's uh, you know it's, it's, like beca- it's because of the like music what? it's because uh, of Brian Barrington <laughs> <laughs> that's another friend of ours I was going to say who's Brian Barrington <laughs> Brian Barrington Brian is another guy we should have on the hi pod. Brian if you're listening Brian Barrington gay is uh, a gay lawyer and he's very much in child protection oh, wow. and he's a wonderful mind absolutely, absolutely. great man he sounds great so, so anyway, which Shaka Khan song uh, I think it would have to be Ain't Nobody would oh, be the me most. Too. Um, me like, too. You know, and I, I'm really bad because I, I do get sick of songs. So I associate that and kind of probably Mary J. Blige with a sort of 10 year block yeah. of my life. Yeah, yeah. But now I kind of, now it would be probably Peggy Gower or someone like that, you know, because that would get me up or Follow More because they are big 
Yeah, fabulous. Energy sort Seven of house who are songs. educating yeah. me? Fola, who are Fulamore? Fulamore, if like I'm pronouncing it correctly, just good house music. House music, like oh, you're a house yeah. Slight right. Philadelphia soul, slight Great, yeah. house music type thing. So do you have an LGBTQ plus family? Like that you've chosen? Yeah, I mean, do I? Yeah, of course. I mean, they're just my friends, right? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's still, and they're probably, they're still my closest friends. And what I like about them, what Panty once said, and I think was true, and I hope it's still true, is that going into a gay space traditionally is that you met people from eclectic backgrounds. And that was kind of like people who probably were in the rave scene in the 90s or something. Part of the appeal was. Mm. Um, I come from a very kind of typical middle class background and stuff like that in South Dublin. But if you go into the gay scene, you meet people from all sorts of backgrounds. And that's, I hope, still a draw. Yeah. And, you know, I carry that into adult life and I really like that. Hit the nail on the head. That's what I was trying to say is finding that solidarity because there's no, um, it's like a bohemian set, isn't it? Really, it doesn't matter who you are, who your dad is, whatever. What yeah. you do, and yeah. your common ground is that you're gay. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's the starting. And every group yeah. needs a drug yeah. dealer. Yeah. <laughs> Joke. And your drug, my drug is music. Absolutely, <laughs> completely. Whatever your drug is, coffee, whatever. <laughs> I didn't bring that in this time, Catherine. Maybe next week. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jessica, tell Put us. <laughs> I'm, oh, you're a very private person. I know that from yeah. you. But is there anything? that you could tell us that people don't know about you? No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> you Jeez. don't have to. I'm sure there's a lot, but whether they'd be interested. I lead quite a boring life, I have to say. I'm, you know, in my 40s, you know, I'm, I don't have that many secrets. No. Do you have a partner, can I ask? Is that right? I did. I broke up. We broke yeah. up about three years ago. Right, Just okay. pre-pandemic. And you're not in a rush to find anybody else having a nice time? Not at the moment, no. Yeah. It no. takes a while to mend. I broke up just before the pandemic and I think it takes a while to mend your heart and yeah. to continue Especially on this forward. Age, right? Yeah. 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 I think it's it easier when you're younger you bounce back a little bit faster. Yeah, it's like a Ming age. vase with a lot of cracks in it at this stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you say minge? Um, <laughs> oh, you had to bring it to the minge. We <laughs> got through the whole <laughs> whole podcast without mentioning minge. How dare you? <laughs> hey, come back, Jessica. <laughs> come back. She's running down the hall. Oh my God. Come back. Uh, thank you so much, Francesca, Cheska, my pal, for being here with myself and Brian for the pod. But before we go, Brian. Yes. Well, I have one <laughs> final question for you. Now, no pressure, because sometimes if I was asked this question, I often draw, draw a blank. But is there one piece of advice you've ever received that you think, yeah, that's actually really stood to me? I don't know if there's one piece of advice per se. I think mm. when I was younger, I had this notion and it might have been reinforced mm-hmm. to kind of focus on things that you were good at. And yes, that is important. But actually do everything, like everything you can, even things that you're not very good at, whether it's music or anything, because there's so much enjoyment to be had in that. And I just think, you know, the fabric of life is a lot richer if you do that. Aww. Francesca Common, brilliant advice. Feel I the think. fear and do it. Yes, exactly. Thank you so much for being our guest this week. Thanks so much for having me. News just in. Francesca was an exceptional guest. Yeah, I think you're right, you know, as in W-R-I-T-E, right? You get it? No. <laughs> Leave the jokes to me, please, Mr. Falls Road. <laughs> OK, well, I know when I'm beaten. Don't worry about it. Hey, make sure you follow us on all our socials for the latest updates. And if you enjoyed our chat, please rate and review wherever you listen. Our LGBTQIIA plus quote of the week comes from fellow journalist Anderson Cooper, who said, I consider it one of the greatest blessings of my life to be gay. I'm proud of it. It's fantastic. Now, yeah. listen, Anderson, <laughs> you didn't stand by Kathy Griffin when she needed you. But, we, you know, just yeah. just pulling you up on and that one. But that's a nice quote. you make 36 million a year. Yeah. I don't feel sorry yeah, for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
And thanks again to you, our lovely <laughs> listeners. Iris Brian calls you <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Until next time. Bye! Bye. <laughs>